welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. It's episode 21 of the IonHoops.com podcast, though really I should count this as episode 20 because no sooner did last episode drop with a nice preview of the Iona Niagara series did Iona go into its second COVID two-week shutdown. So the schedule shifted around again and so has my podcast planning. Isn't this great? You know, one positive regarding the shutdown though, if you want to try to find positives in these things, is that Iona assistant coach Casey Stanley suddenly found himself with some extra time on his hands, and he's going to join us this week to update us on the state of the Gales during the shutdown, among other topics of interest. What's more, hey, I'm a giver, and I gave the fellows in IonaHoops.com message board the opportunity to post questions for Casey on a wide variety of topics, and they came through with flying colors as they usually do. Those are my boys. That's the Iona Cosa Nostra we're talking about there. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. But before we get to all of that, Iona's Iotas is on tap. Iona, Iotas. Iona going into COVID wasn't the only big news coming out of the program recently. We also announced that 2021 signee Trey James is reclassifying to join the Gales for the remainder of this season. The opportunity came about due to Robert Brown's season-ending injury. Uh, Casey will have more on this later in the podcast, but we're excited for the Kentucky big man James to join the Gales earlier than expected. Speaking of COVID, of course, Iona's schedule has shifted around again, based on this latest shutdown again. Farewell to the bye week says they're no more, but Iona is going to be the home team for the next four series, St. Peter's, Niagara, Monmouth, Siena, uh, Murderer's Row in the Mac these days. Uh, then they're going to hit the road for three weeks straight versus Maris, Canisius, and Quinnipiac before returning home for the regular season uh, final series against Manhattan. But not every game is going to be right on that Friday-Saturday weekend. Check icgales.com for the specific dates. And hey, it should be noted that it's not an impossible idea that Iona slips in a non-conference game somewhere along the way. Stay tuned. Iona. Iona. So last episode, we looked at Iona player stats from Ken Palm. This time, we're going to look at some team uh, Ken Palm numbers, focusing on some top 100 rankings. And a 300 ranking. Uh, we're going to start with block percentage. That's the number of blocks per field goal attempt. Iona actually excels on both ends of the floor in this one. The Gales are 27th in the country in offensive block percentage at 5.4. This means for every 100 shots Iona attempts, only five are getting blocked. On defense, Iona is ranked 46th in this category at 12.2 million. They're blocking 12% of all shots from our opponents. Iona is also 58th in offensive rebound percentage at 32.9%. That simply means that out of all the rebounds Iona grabs, a third of them are offensive. Um, Last positive number, Iona is 68th in the country in assists per field goals made at 57.6%. That simply means Iona is getting assists on well over half their field goals made. Um, And here's a negative number to throw at you. Iona is 324th in defensive free throw attempts per field goal attempts, which really just means Iona's fouling a whole lot this season. All right, let's hit the Mac Tide Report. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give some love to the Siena Saints. It's happening, people. It really is. They are the one trending upward. No one was sure what to expect from them, really. Uh, they hadn't played a game all season long and had limited practice time due to multiple COVID shutdowns. Um, well, if there were any questions, 
there aren't any more. Siena swept Monmouth last weekend and then Fairfield this past weekend to get off to a 4-0 start in league play. And it's quite clear they are the team to beat in this league. Um, perhaps even more impressive than their overall strong start is what they did in their last out in Game 2 versus Fairfield this past uh, Sunday. Um they had to play this game without uh, Jalen Pickett, uh, of course, the MAC preseason player of the year and favorite for player of the year honors. Um, he has a minor injury, um, but managed to survive anyway. I mean, this is a nip and tuck game against a Fairfield team that defends well. Um, but uh, it was Aiden Carpenter's coming out party, basically. And um, in his play has now has Sienna fans salivating and perhaps dropping other bodily fluids that we won't cover here because this isn't hashtag Mac, Mac after dark. Anyway, we're going to see if Sienna can keep things going next weekend at Ryder, but this is the favorite. I don't think there's any question about that right now. Trending downward is Marist. It's funny because I had them trending upward not long ago, but the Red Foxes have not played well as late and their exciting start is no more. Uh, two weekends ago, Marist eked out a home win versus Niagara for pointing before getting blown out by the Purple Eagles in the second meeting. And then this past weekend, Monmouth put up a pair of double-digit wins against the Red Foxes. Marist does have an excellent opportunity to right the ship this weekend when they host Fairfield. Um, this may be These may be two must-win games for Marist, really, if they have any hopes of escaping the pig. I mean, somebody's got to get out of the pig, right? Um, and Marist is one of those teams that look like they're on the fence. They look like they can handle the bad teams, but uh, are not ready for prime time against the better teams in the league. We're going to find out over time, but um, they'll be an interesting team to watch as well. Somebody's got to finish in the top five anyway. Next up for the Iona Gales... Two games against the St. Peter's Peacocks, and they'll be traveling to Hines. Let's take a look at this matchup. St. Peter's is 6-5 overall in 3-3 three three MAC play, with their most recent games being a pair of surprising losses at Canisius. Like the Gales, they too have seen a gap in their schedule as those games versus the Griffs were back on January 1st and 2nd. Of course, we haven't seen Iona play since before Christmas, which seems like an eternity uh, ago now. Uh, but St. Peter's themselves were going to have a two-week hiatus by the time the teams take the floor Sunday afternoon in New Rochelle. Uh, you know, so this is no shock to anyone, but St. Peter's is a far superior defensive team than an offensive team. Yeah, duh, right? Uh, Nelly Jr. Joseph is going to have his hands full inside with likely defensive player of the year, Casey Nindefo. Um, and there's no question uh, Shaheen Holloway is going to have a game plan in place to harass Isaiah Ross from his threes and keep Asante Gist off his game in terms of penetrating and dishing. Ball movement's going to be key in this one, so keep an eye on the big men moving the ball around for Iona. Um, some surprising numbers, though. The Peacocks generally don't let you shoot well, but they're actually allowing 36% three-point shooting. So that's going to be a number to watch for the Gales in the two games. You know, as I said, St. Peter's is not really known for their offense, um, but they do have guys who know their roles and excel in this in, in Shaw's system. Um, Nadefo leads the Peacocks at about 13 points per game, and he shoots 51% from the field. And Daryl Banks III is about 12 points per game, and he's shooting 40% from three. St. Peter's as a team doesn't really shoot it well, but they are the best team in the MAC at hitting the offensive glass so far, uh, statistically speaking. Um, so that's going to be something to watch over the two games as well, how many second chances they get and second chance scoring in general in the two games. Uh, you know, one interesting thing to look at when St. about St. Peter's last year versus this year, the Peacocks 
um, won 13 of their final 16 games last season. And a lot of that was due to their ability to close out games late as they won seven of their final eight games that were decided by five points or fewer. Of course, that includes two games against uh, to end the season against the Gales uh, out of the three that they won against Iona last year. Um, St. Peter's has not been quite as solid in those close games, just two and three on the season in that regard. Um, and to flip this back to the Iona side, the Gales have not even played a game yet. That's ended closer than eight points. So we will. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what will happen if one or both of these games this weekend are tight. Oh, and Ken Palm expects the games to be tight, <laughs> as those numbers suggest St. Peter's will be a slight favorite by a point, uh, at least in the first meeting. Um, make no mistake, though, with both teams coming off breaks and given the ex- expectations for both teams entering this season, these are two big games in the MAC race, especially when you consider that Siena is off to a 4-0 start. So it's time to welcome Casey Stanley back to the podcast. Uh, of course, we wish his availability was under better circumstances than this. Uh, how's it going, Casey? You know, it's been better, Guy. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a unique season, you know, where you, you get games in, you're starting to get a little momentum, you're getting good practices in, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting at home in your kitchen talking to Guy Falatico. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a tough, uh, it's a tough little beat that we just got right there. That is definitely a downgrade. Um, so what's the mood of the program right now? Um, like you said, you get, you have some good practices and all of a sudden, wham, you got to shut it all down. Is it at this point, is it just super level of frustration or is it, or is it more of like, you know, it's kind of what it is in the climate we live in right now. And the guys are kind of rolling with it. You know, it, it's frustrating the fact that, you know, obviously coach Patino has touched on it multiple times and, you know, I, it's well, uh, out there that part of the frustration of this season is you're teaching 15 new guys, the system all at once. So, um, you know, it's frustrating when you start to make some headway and you feel like you've got to take a gigantic step back, but, you know, you look around the country and you, you know, you look at teams and schools and, and, and big East programs and ACC programs who have to go through it just as much as we do. So it's something that is frustrating, but, but you understand, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are in the same boat right now. Um, and it seems to be like a, an unfair uh, regional situation we have here in the Northeast, especially where, you know, Northeast programs have to kind of shut it down. Whereas other areas of the country are just taking the one or two individuals that are affected and kind of just putting them on the shelf. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a unique uh, situation how college basketball never really weighed in on a, a uniform rule and a uniform procedure. You know, I, I know schools that, you know, just kind of use the football method of, just remove the one or two infected guys and, and, and keep moving um, where, you know, for us, you know, it, it could be a, a manager. It could be a walk-on. It could be our, our starting point guard. If one person in the program gets sick, we're out for, for 10 days to two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course we thankfully had some additional news that's on the positive side, I guess announced as the program was going into shutdown. And that's that the, uh, 2020 and 22 signee Trey James is reclassifying to 2021 and joining the gals this year. So I've gotten a lot of questions about this. There's a lot of, you know, from other Mac programs, there's fans of other Mac programs thinking something's, uh, up here, but can you explain how all this is working? So Rob Brown came to us, you know, obviously he had a, a season ending uh, injury and, and this kind of goes back to COVID a little bit where these guys are uh, dealing with, you know, a, a tremendous mental strain um, on them. Basically, 
Rob, uh, you know, is from Texas. He, his family's in Las Vegas. Um, you know, he hasn't had the opportunity to see them since July, you know, in a normal, um, in a normal season, you know, you could go home for Christmas, you could go home for Thanksgiving, you could go home, uh, in the preseason when it's slow. So he hasn't had the opportunity to go home at all. Um, he's homesick. Plus there are less people on campus. First of all, there's nobody on campus right now. And then once the school starts, there are less people taking in-person classes. So he's not really even experiencing the, uh, you know, the college experience at all. So he came to us and basically wanted to know if it was possible for him to take the semester off um, and kind of work on his rehab at home and get to see his family and be around his loved ones. Um, so Coach Patino, you know, agreed to do that. You know, conversely, we've also had between injuries, you know, with, with Osborne being hurt, and uh, Colton being hurt, and, uh, you know, Rob, obviously, we've had very short numbers for practice. So, you know, it actually made sense. You know, we checked with, with our compliance, uh, you know, office and, and uh, you know, Jamie Fogarty does a great job at, at, at keeping us abreast of, of all the situations. And, you know, she let us know that if, if Rob is taking the semester off to, uh, to deal with some personal matters, uh, that we could use that scholarship and, and bring in one of the, the kids that were uh, committed for 2021. Now, now Trey had thankfully graduated already, and you know he was back just in Kentucky waiting to play high school basketball. So, you know, we thought this was a good opportunity not only for for us to get a guy in practice and get an extra body that could possibly help us, but it's going to help Trey immensely because you know now he gets the opportunity to practice against you know Division One quality athletes every day you know he he goes to a small high school where you know he might see two or three guys over six five the whole year you know now the fact is him getting better in practice every day him getting ahead academically you know was, was all an opportunity we couldn't pass up uh, what can you think what do you think we can expect out of him in terms of uh what he can provide i mean given that he's not in iona shape to be, uh he doesn't know the system i mean do you expect spot duty from him more of a learning experience or do you think he's going to be thrown in the fire a little bit more I, I can't put expectations on him. I mean, he hasn't played an organized basketball game since March. He hasn't gone through an organized basketball practice since March. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a different realm. You know, we're in, in midseason form. You know, our guys have 50 plays. Uh, you know, they've got five defense. You know, it, it's just too much to me to be able to put any kind of expectations on him on, on the playing surface. Um, but just getting them to practice every day and getting them better and, 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 and all that stuff, uh, you know, I, I think that's what we're shooting for. Um, if he's able to help us, great, and we'd be happy, and we'd be happy to ha have him. But, I mean, I, I would say putting any kind of expectations on him, considering this situation is a little unfair. Mm. And just in terms of a, maybe a Patino system education for people, with, when, when Shima comes back and when James is ready to contribute, do you see situations where you'll see two bigs out there at the same time? Yeah, most definitely. You know, coaches is, is big into playing, um, you know, basically whatever five he thinks can help him. And if, if it's a if it's a bigger lineup, I mean, he'll do it. He'll do it just fine. Um, you know, and, and, and Osborne obviously has the, the skill level to be able to slide over and play some four. It's just a matter of can you defend uh, a typical uh, max size power forward. Mm. Okay, so for this visit that you have with us here, I wanted to give a voice to my listeners, if you will, and I give them an opportunity to post questions for me to ask you. Um, we're going to bounce around in terms of topics a bit, but these are things that were on the minds of Iona fans out there uh, hearing all of this news. And now we've kind of covered the Trey James stuff, so that's great. Uh, so we'll hit on some different things here. 
Uh, one poster asked about the seniors exercising their option to return for another year. Patino had said that Ross and Gist would not return, but it's possible that Van Eyck might. Uh, is that true as far as you know? And either way, how does this affect how you recruit? You know, I, I think because basically their scholarships are free anyway. It, it, they don't count against our scholarship count. The NCAA passed that. So we could have as many as we could have our 13 scholarship guys, and then we could have all four seniors return if, if that's something we want to. Um, you know, coaches is, and, and I think this comes from his time at the Louisville's and the Kentuckys of the world. He is, is used to making these decisions and used to sitting down and deciding what would be best for the kid. Um, you know, and giving them advice based on that. And I, I think that's something, it might be a little bit too premature to make decisions on that but right now. I think that's something that when the season's over and we see how everything goes and, and, and we sit down in March, you know, that, that's something that, that I could see coach coming to a, a, a decision on, on what he thinks will benefit the kid in the long term. Um, you know, I think uh, all those seniors are, it's still a, a possibility that all those seniors return. It's a possibility that none of those seniors return. So, you know, that, that's, that's something we, we still, uh, we still have two more months before, you know, it's really time to sit down and start making, making life decisions. Yeah. That was my next question is when those decisions start to happen. Cause like we said, it does affect recruiting. So yeah. now you go. And, 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 and again, those scholarships, you know, are, are, you know, whether they come back or not, you know, we're still going to have the same amount of scholarship guys. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect, uh, reflect recruiting or affect recruiting too much because, you know, we're going to need people anyway, you know, we're going to have to, it's not like, it's not like uh, we're at Louisville and, and this kid is deciding whether to go to the draft or not. And we need to fill a scholarship. These kids are basically freebies. So, you know, the decision that coach is going to come to is going to be hundred percent of the benefit of them. Uh, not necessarily a basketball program. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so switching gears here a bit. Um, one guy I wanted to know, how do you think this group of players is evolving from either being clueless system guys or totally new players into, into the Patino system guys? Like how are they evolving? You know, they're, they're, they're doing a good job. They're, they're learning, they're working, they're, they're um, very open to coaching and being coachable. And that's, that's something that's very important. Um, you know, it, what, what coach is trying to get is, is more of a commitment on the defensive end. Um, and, and it's not just, you know, clue system guys, because, you know, Asante has been to another college before, um, Isaiah has been to another college before, uh, Dylan, uh, and Colton have been junior college guys before. So, you know, they, it's, it's just necessarily getting them to buy in on the defensive end and, and, and basically put all their focus there and the offense will come. Mm. Um, along those lines, uh, Patino had said that uh, Chavez mainly lost minutes when Gist came back from his injury. Uh, but he also said that Chavez needed to work on his uh, defense, uh, his play on defensive end of the floor. Um, how do you get somebody to, ri to rise up? Is it more just a commitment thing or is it actual physical skills that these kids have to learn? So I would say with Talit, his effort is always there. Um, he is one of the hardest playing kids I've ever been around. Um, it's, it's physical sometimes with him and his size, and he has to learn how to play the game at his size. Um, but in terms of effort with him, it's, it, that's never been a question. Mm. Okay. Um, well, we talked about the pause a little bit and how it's affecting the guys. What kinds of activities do you have them doing during a pause to at least try to stay in basketball shape? So all of our guys have, um, every room that they have on campus has an exercise bike. Um, they have weights in their room. 
Um, so we, we definitely try to keep the cardio up. We try to keep the weightlifting with a little, uh, with a little zoom, uh, like workout class. Um, and you know, that's pretty much what, what they're doing right now. Uh, every day we're sending them, um, just new film defensively, something that they can concentrate on getting better, whether it be us or it be programs around the country, just to get them looking at things a different way. Um, but there's only so much stuff you can do right now. And we're, we're, we're just itching to get back. Um, I'm going to ask you this. This is, this is me adding on to that. Um, we saw Monmouth when they came out of their kind of delayed start, played really well right away. I thought Sienna did pretty well yesterday. Uh, coming, you know, they weren't smooth, but they got a win against a good team. So is that almost like an encouraging thing? You're seeing these teams that you know, were shut down or really didn't play at all, and then here they are playing and they're ready to go. Do you, does that kind of encourage you guys to kind of say, hey, man, this isn't an excuse to, for us to now play like crap when we get back out there? It's, it's such a weird year. You know, you see, you see teams across the country coming out of pauses, responding well to it, not responding well to it. I mean, we came out probably four days after quarantine and we're up nine uh, right before the half against Seton Hall. So we, we've done it before. Um, coach is not one to ever give them an excuse or give them a way out. So they'll be expected to be at their best. And, and he holds uh, everybody to a high, high standard and a high expectation. And, and hopefully the guys, when, when we come out, are ready to meet it. Um, well, that, that leads right into the next question. Um, so we were on a three-game winning streak, but the team had been kind of, like you said, kind of up and down, uh, a little bit erratic in their performances over the season. Um, would you say that that's kind of was almost expected given, you know, the shortened off season, the, the lack of practice time, the new system, the new players? Did you kind of expect it? Game the game, you know, in college basketball in 2020, now 2021, you don't know what to expect from – players from teams um you know you're sure that oh this team is by far the best team in the league they're gonna look great and then they look you know then they have a bad weekend you know and it's there's a lot going on these kids mentally physically there's a lot going on I mean you know you, you can never estimate how a team's performance is going to be and I'll ask you I'll build on that one too we saw you just brought that up I'll, I'll mention St. Peter's I mean they looked great all year they go up to Canisius which looked terrible and then get swept I mean that's that's Mac basketball but that's also Mac that's also basketball in this COVID world right oh it's 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 crazy and I'm just excited to be you know back in the Mac and and, and get to experience that Buffalo trip again I mean that's something that uh you know is, is a once in a lifetime and and, and even in, in in different years you know where where things are even more consistent the Buffalo trip will get you so uh you know that's that's a tough trip and 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 you know we're, we make it I believe the schedule's changed so much at this point I believe we make it in February does that sound right uh, I think so. It's moved yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I can't figure it out anymore. <laughs> um, you brought up uh, the injury situation earlier and we talked to Barrett Brown already. Uh, you know, it seems like we had gotten some mixed information about when she would be ready and even cash off. Can you give us an idea uh, how they're looking and when you think they'll be back? I, I don't think a date's been set on, on Osborne yet. Um, you know, I, I think he's still going through the injury and it's a matter of, how his body feels and, and, you know, uh, all that stuff. And, and I, I think he's feeling better, but I mean, there's no set date for him. I think Colton's a little further along. I expect him to start practicing in the next two weeks or so. Um, and then hopefully we can uh, start introducing him into, into game situations. So neither one of these guys will be actually on the court probably in January. Uh, I mean, I, I would say, I would say Colton has, a, has a chance. Looking at the calendar. Well, yeah, that last weekend is right. That last weekend yeah. is uh 29th, 30th. So that's yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So that would be a decent target date for him then. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to a couple other things here. Um, can you give us a minute? We, t- we talked about Trey James. Can you talk about the, uh, the other three signees for next year, Walter Clayton, uh, Joshua, and on my butcher's last name, Duash, and Jordan Wildy? Yeah, sure. Um, so Jordan, uh, the first young man you mentioned, um, great size, shoots the ball tremendously well for his size, moves really well. Um, you know, he, from North Carolina, uh, he's got the ability to be a really good player as he puts on it. Same, same kind of deal we talked about with this class. He's got to put on muscle and weight, um, but he's got such tremendous upside because of his size that, you know, he could definitely be playing at a higher level. Um, Josh from Australia, uh, to me, has some of the most upside uh, of, of, of anyone in the class. Um, he can play multiple positions, can play the two and the three, uh, shoots it really well, good passer. Um, you know, it's always tough for, to make the jump um, to American basketball. Um, obviously, he's in Australia right now, so it's a little tough to tell the level. Um, but, but Josh has, has a, a chance to be really, really good. Um, and Walter Clayton is a tough kid from Florida. Um, you know, he, uh, strong, great size for his position as a point guard, uh, six, two, six, three strong. Um, you know, the fact that he was a, a, a very accomplished football player is something that's very attractive to us because, you know, it just shows the level of toughness and a level of leadership. And, and I always like dual sports guys. And to me, when, when you got a dual sports guy who gives up one of the sports, he will grow immensely in that, in, in, in that second sport because now he, he's got double the time basically to work on it. Um, but but just, just physically-wise and body-wise, I mean, he's a, a very good prospect uh, for the point guard position. Mm. I want to build on something you mentioned. I mean, you know, the, the crazy thing about recruiting, especially the way you guys have had to do it this past year, is that you just don't know what you're going to get until these guys get on campus. Um, tell me about – I have to bring up Nelly. Uh, what, what, is, what a great start he's had and how he's showing like a maturity beyond his years almost, it seems like. Uh, did you have any clue that he was going to be this ready to go? So Nelly comes from uh, the NBA Academy and they do a great job of preparing their guys and, get, and getting their guys ready um, to compete at a high, high level. Um, so he's faced good competition, has gotten good coaching. Um, he's a mature kid. He's a tough kid. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that he's been able to contribute as a freshman, uh, so early is really, really impressive. Um, he's got a lot of room to improve and, and, and clean up his game. You know, it's so interesting because obviously you look at his production, you look at his stats, you're like, boy, he had a great game. And then you watch the film and you find, you know, 20 instances where he could have done something better. Mm. So, but that's a positive because, you know, he's a sponge. He's a great listener. You can show him those things. And if he improves on those things and he's already doing what he's doing, imagine once he starts to learn how good he could be. Mm. So some of us saw a photo posted by Iona on social media and what appeared to be new lockers being delivered. I know this really isn't your wheelhouse, but any general updates on renovations? Yeah. Part of uh, coach Patino's plan when he got to campus was, was elevating uh, the weight room, the locker room, and the offices. Um, I think a couple weeks ago was the pictures of the new weight room, which are, which are unbelievable. Um, and, and, you know, raising the funds for that is something that he prioritized. Um, we have also redone the, the locker room cosmetically, not, not really increasing in size, but to dress it up and, and, and bring it into the, 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 tw- the 21st century. Um, so, you know, that was something that, 
that he uh, he prioritizes. Not even, we're not even in there yet. It's just they're they're putting in the carpeting, putting in the lockers. Yeah. Um, hopefully, by the time we get out of COVID jail, uh, we'll get the opportunity to to be in that locker room. Um, and then the other thing that we were working on is the offices. So you know we've been uh, displaced uh, for the last probably I'd say month or so. Uh, we're, we're either working at home or, you know, they gave us uh, one of the, the houses on Beachmont to work out of. So, you know, it's, it's, that's something that we're working on right now to, to not only redo our offices, but redo the administrative offices and all that and, and just make it a, uh, a more presentable, more, more homey, uh, you know, situation. Mm. All right. That sounds good. Well, I've covered all of the listener questions and I've covered my own. So I think we're wrapping it up here. I'll give you uh, your time back. I'm, 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 I'm a little disappointed only because, you know, you, you keep asking these questions from people on the message board. I, I thought you would give me their handle. I mean, I, I want to know, you know, who's asking what question just to make, you know, just to make it a little bit better. Could have done that. That's true. You do read the board. Yes. Uh, well, you, you know, it's the usual five or six guys that like to post stuff. And since you go on the board anyway, you'll see who it is. So uh, I, I've actually I've actually gotten better uh, in, in years past then, you know, when I first started, cause obviously, you know, when I was a, a young man, I, I would read the message board all the time. Cause I truly was a fan. And, and I, I think within the last five or six years now, I read message boards less because, you know, it, it, the, the criticism, you know, you get frustrated and the criticism starts to get to you a little bit. And sometimes it's, it's baseless. And sometimes, you know, so, so that's something that, that I'll only really do in the off season. I'll just flip on and get the temperature, but you know, it's, it's message boards can be a dangerous thing when you're in coaching. I agree. And, and as for players, I know that too. So uh, it's, it's the ones who have read it over the years and then have followed up with me later uh, are not huge fans either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. the bottom line is we're all idiots. We don't know what we're talking about. I mean, we all kind of just, you know, even somebody like me who has the ability to talk to you about something, we're, I'm bringing you on so you can educate us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I definitely respect the message board community and, and it definitely has a place and, and all that stuff. But it's just as a coach where it's, it's your livelihood and you spend your whole life, you know, like, Oh, we got to win this game. We got to win this game. And then you don't win. And then you read everybody's thoughts. And it's just, it's, it's too much in coaching to, to do all that. Same thing with Twitter and all social media, you know, it's, it, it, you got to detach yourself from that sometimes and just concentrate on the job at hand. Yep. Yep. And nobody's ever happy. And you have to understand mm-hmm. that too. Until you win a championship and then everybody's happy and everybody. Oh, no, not even that. when you win a championship. Sometimes it's, it's hey, two years ago, we would have won the championship better and more efficiently. You know, it's always, you know, there's always an answer to it. So, yeah. Well, hey, at least we don't have to deal with anything like what the Philadelphia Eagles did uh, rolling over and letting. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as a Giants fan, that was brutal to me. But also the fact that, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Giants were six and 10 and we did not deserve to be in the playoffs anyway. And, and you know, it's just it, you can't you can't be be too mad at the Eagles because we put ourselves in that situation. But I'm, I'm optimistic for the future. And, you know, I like the coach and, you know, I, I'm even starting to turn the corner on Jones a little bit. And, you know, hopefully hopefully we're starting to build build a team so <laughs> and this could have a met for next what we're off during the offseason we're gonna have a complete nfl podcast and you can come on that <laughs> i like it i like it. I'm, I'm feeling like a met podcast get me and brian buyer okay. uh you know and and uh you know rob Forselli, and and we'll, we'll just talk we'll talk met baseball the entire time oh that's scary thought but it's a long off season so i'll have lots of podcast time to fill you never um, all right, man. Well, get everybody healthy and we, we are all pumped for you, you guys to get back out there probably as much as you guys are to get out there. So uh, just stay well and we're looking forward to seeing you guys back on the court, man.
Great. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Take care. That's all for this episode of the podcast. Let's hope this one remains relevant longer than the last episode did. Uh, thanks again to Casey Stanley for joining us during what must be a frustrating time for him and the Aaron program in general. We're all looking forward to seeing the Gales back on the court soon. Happy New Year, Gale fans, and mascot. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.